it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Today on Beer is a Conversation, I have with me Amanda Baker from Lost Palms. They're a graphic designer by trade and also a marketing whiz. They joined Lost Palms last year in a period of growth for the business, which also saw Lost Palms open up a tap room in the Brisbane suburb of Sherwood. In this edition, we discuss Lost Palms' iconic branding, the challenges of bringing those vibes to a new area, plans for the future, and of course, design trends in beer. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on the Beer is a Conversation podcast. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. As I understand, uh, not always been a Gold Coast local. Um, Do you want to tell me a little bit about you, a little bit about your career history, where you've been before and your um, relationship with the brewing industry? Yes. Um, So I've been trying to think how long I've been in the industry and I think it's getting up to kind of six or seven years. And the way that I fell into it was just I was really unhappy um, in a job that I had back in Wagga Wagga. And then I had met this beautiful lady called Yolanda while we were doing um, my graphic design degree. And I knew that she worked at the local brewery. So one day I just went in and I'm like, hey, yo, uh, can I have a job? <laughs> and she's like, yep. So um, I started there as a casual bartender um, under Craig Whelan. So if no one knows, Thirsty Crow is this amazing brewery in Wagga. Vanilla Milk Stout is one of the best beers you'll ever have. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I started there for a couple of years, um, got into kind of graphic design and marketing with Craig and then made the move to Sydney. So within Sydney, um, I started working at Modus Operandi um, on the northern beaches there. So yeah, kind of cut my teeth there. I was there for a few years, um, helped get the the hound off the ground um, and take her to her first few Gabs festivals, which was just, you know, highlight of my career, that bus. It was a lot of work, but um, yeah, definitely paid off. And then it was kind of I did the run there and then it was it was kind of just time to move on. I was there for, you know, just over three years. So I had a couple of months living in Mudgee with my best friends and her husband. And then, yeah, fell across this job and I'm like, mm, I haven't lived in the Gold Coast yet. Um, and it sounded too good to be true. So here yeah, I am. Let's go for it. Absolutely. And I think that's really fascinating that you've gone from like a regional brewery like Thirsty Crow, obviously made some despite the fact it being small and regional like it's pretty well known done some good beers and um well-known beers um i believe making some of the hottest 100 lists as well yeah and that's even before um it was readily available outside of the town of wagga so i think it made the hottest 100 a few years in a row even though you could only get it in wagga and then to go from that and then to a quite a considerably bigger uh, urban brewery how was that jump did you find it really different in terms of their approaches or how they do things or like what was that all about yeah I think it was a, it was a little bit of a culture shock because um, I was you know I'm quite a country bum myself so um, going into the northern beaches was I think the best move because it is quite you know small it's not as urban as like um the middle of Sydney so it mm-hmm. wasn't as big of a culture shock as I thought but um, yeah you kind of just had to hit the ground running and just be open to, to whatever the role could kind of give you so I started as a casual bartender and then I did some venue management and then I went into director customer um, events and sponsorship so it was um, yeah kind of just not saying no to anything and just see see where it could take you and so how did you get into the sort of the marketing side of it was it something that had always appealed is that something that you had always wanted to do uh yeah I think it was just a a knock-on from um doing my graphic design degree 
And then once I kind of got in the beer industry, I'm like, oh, actually, I love everything about this. And I worked very closely. Um, I'm not sure if you have heard of uh, Johnny Bucknell. So he just started Freshy Brewing in Brookvale. So he was um, head of marketing when I was at Modus. And yeah, he just taught me everything I know. So I kind of have just taken that and then, you know, done everything in my power to accelerate it. And had you heard much from Lost Palms before you decided to take the job there? I'd heard a little bit. Um, I think it was just before COVID hit, like that really big first time. Um, we were putting on a brew gooder event at Modus. So it was all these different breweries, you know, this really great cause. And yeah, so we did, I believe, a keg swap. And I have a feeling it was the hibiscus and guava sour that we got from Lost Palm. So I had that beer and I'm like, damn, this is, this is amazing. And uh, the decal that came with it. And then, yeah, that's kind of all I'd, I'd heard from them. Um, but then when I saw the job, I'm like, what can I learn about this place? And yeah, it just stood out to me as somewhere that was, you know, very laid back and, and that's just from the outside, but now I'm here, it's, it's amazing. There's, there's a lot of room to move no matter what your position is within the, the business. So it's, um, yeah, it's very, very good in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an important point as well, because like maybe not in marketing, but definitely in like the hospo and the brewing side of things, we do have those shortages and that ability to move and that like mobility within a business is really key uh, for brewers to retain that kind of talent and attract it in the first place as well, I think. Yeah, I think it's really important too, because um, once you get people in the door, and, you know, if they're passionate about their job and the industry, they're going to want to learn and they want to, you know, take the next step. And, and I think it's really important to to kind of harness that energy and um, really listen to, to what people are saying. So, yeah, you don't end up like with no staff and you have to start over again. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think you can tell when there's loads of like lots of turnover of staff that maybe that, that people haven't nailed that quite well, as well as they could yet. But clearly Lost Palms doing a good job. Um, so tell me a little bit about Lost Palms then. Um, for, for our listeners who might not know too much about Lost Palms, who founded it? Where did it come from? How long has it been going? All the basics. We're uh, located in Miami, so just around the corner from the Miami Marquetta, which is pretty well known around here as like a, a food and music venue. Um, it's very, very cool. Uh, Lost Palms opened the doors in December of 2017. Um, so Jared Blanning is the only founder remaining. Um, he's manager director of both the Miami venue and Sherwood. So I think Lost Palms has kind of come a long way and learned a bit from when they first opened the doors um, and have just been trying to find the right people for the right roles and kind of the direction that the business wants to go. So I think we're finally getting on on top of that. Um, and, yeah, so I think Jared initially was a home brewer. Um, he started, you know, kind of – looking around, seeing where he can cut his teeth within the industry. Um, and I believed he worked alongside um, Toshi from uh, AWOL Black Hops oh, yeah. for a bit. So I'm, I'm sure he's learned, learned a lot from him. Um, but he actually has an engineering degree and came from the mining industry. So it's kind of like chalk and cheese, how you start there and you end up here. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that is fascinating in itself. Like you say, if he's the last one left of the founders, I don't think people, when they set up a brewery, realize how much strain it can put on relationships, how difficult it is to set up a brewery. You're not just focusing on the beer. You are looking at the hospitality operations. You're looking at the business operations. You're looking at the structure of the business and the staffing and like all these other, like, so, and obviously social media and marketing, all of these other aspects of it that people do not realize when they go into it and then it when the reality hits that's when they're like oh this isn't quite for me or like I'd probably leave best leave this before um something goes um squiffy or whatever the case may be uh, I know we've seen people exiting the business um in sort of recent years who have been really open and said that I've been like yeah it, it was really hard um but like you say uh it's all about finding the right people and finding that balance um so hopefully Lost Palms is there would we say yeah, I do believe so. 
I think it's, you know, like all businesses, it does take time from when you first start because I don't think anyone realizes, and I don't even realize because I've never been anywhere kind of from the get-go, but I've seen behind the velvet curtain um, in a few different businesses. And yeah, it's not as easy as, as people would think it would be. And I think you grow as a business, but then you also grow as people. And um, yeah, sometimes maintaining those relationships outside of a work environment is more important than having them within that work environment. But um, yeah, I think it's worked really, really well for Lost Palms at the moment. Um, we do have kind of a fresh new group or team. Um, so Mitch has come on. I think he's been here for just over a year. He came from Source, so he's our head brewer now. Um, and then we have uh, Bretto, who is sales. He, he's been here for about two years came over from uh, one of the big guys so yeah I think we're we're finally getting into uh, the swing of things absolutely and that sounds like a good diversity of experience as well like we talk about it from lots of angles but um, you know having that bigger brewer and having that smaller brewer and having that um, ex- those different experiences in a business can always be helpful um, from what I've heard anyway <laughs> not that yeah, I've ever I- run a business <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. And I think too, because Lost Palms is still quite small, like we have probably 10 staff members over both the venues. Um, and that's including like brewers, delivery, marketing, venue managers, cooks, things like that. Um, so because we're still quite a small team, um, it is very easy for us to kind of sit down and, you know, just make things happen. Um, you don't need to go to a board. You don't need to, you know, go to directors. It's just like, oh, we think we should do this. Can we do it? Yeah, by the end of the day, we've got, got <laughs> that uh, trade in motion. The benefit of a small business, hell yeah. Yeah, it's the best part of it, I think. And, Absolutely. you know, we can hash things out pretty quickly. And, and it's all about, you know, having those conversations face to face and, you know, having a discussion rather than, oh, uh, we do need to do this and we need to do that. It's like, well, can we do it for a start? Should we do it? What do you think? <laughs> but, I like yeah, that. It's good like in that, that sense. Very cool. And you mentioned like cooks and uh, like hospitality staff as well. I mean, I know that's been a big issue in the industry recently, um, a, sort of attracting and retaining hospitality staff back of house, front of house. How has that been? Um, obviously, where you guys are, it was previously uh, quite backpacker heavy, um, from what I know of it. Uh, so, how has that been going in the past couple of years? Yeah, I think it's been um, for Miami. We had um, like a pretty substantial team when I first started. So, and they, you know, both left to to go on different adventures, but um, you know, still staying quite close to the business. Like it wasn't wasn't a personal thing. It was just, you know, uh, personal growth. So, then we also got in. So it was a new venue manager and a new cook, and um, you know, it did take us a while to find the right fit because, um, you know, I think it would be quite easy just to give that job away to anybody, but you know, you do want someone who's going to help, you know, make your business grow and um, who your customers are comfortable with. And, you know, it is, you know, part of your your team. So, um, yeah, it did take us a little while to find the people that we have at the moment, but we've been pretty lucky um, as a, you know, quite a small brewery too. We don't need a lot of people on the floor. So it's kind of like everyone can kind of do everything and when there's an event you know everyone comes in gives a couple of hours of their time and yeah we don't leave anyone stranded awesome and yeah like as we say benefits of having a small team like you you just don't get that as you get bigger I think um that everyone pitching in everybody knowing um those divisions of labor and what everybody else does and and being able to step in when you know it gets tough or someone's sick or whatever um like that is so the benefit of having a small business we've obviously opened in Sherwood the Brisbane suburb of Sherwood. Um, tell me a little bit about that, what you know of that um, and why the guys set up there and um, why Sherwood? Yeah, well, I think Sherwood, um, from what I can gather, is was kind of like an, an untapped um, resource. 
So there's not very many places there that you can kind of go out, get a good beer, go out with the family. Um, so I think that was the, the thinking behind putting the tap room in Sherwood. Um, but it's been really cool. It's, um, I've been over there a few times. Um, they've just had a bit of a refresh of staff as well. So now everyone's in and comfortable. It's, um, yeah, it's going great guns. It's, it's quite a small little, yeah, venue there, but you know, it's quite open. There's these beautiful big doors that open up so you can see, you know, right out to the back from the street. Uh, there's lots of windows, lots of greenery. Um, it is a quite a welcoming um, area. I mean, Miami site's not massive either, is it? No, no, it's only, yeah, so quite it fit, small. it fits in. Yeah, that's it. It does. We like that. And then we painted it pink too, so. <laughs> so <laughs> Excellent, we've, of course. We've done what we can to tie it in. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how have you found sort of transferring what is very much a Gold Coast brand? And, like, I think even if, you looked at Lost Palms and didn't know where it was from, you could take a good guess. Um, what, how, is, yeah. how has that been transferring it to um, a place like a Brisbane suburb like of Sherwood? It's been quite easy um, because of the direction that Miami went. Um, like I just remember talking to Jared about it and I'm just like, oh, you know, I was so excited when I started. I'm like, oh, you've just created this like really welcoming place. Um, I think normally when you think about breweries, you think, oh, it's going to be black, stainless steel, dark. And I'm like, you've just created this really inclusive, welcoming environment. And, you know, I just, I, I love, you know, that you chose pink. And he's like, well, I just like pink. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it works. So he did something right. <laughs> and I, I think it works Absolutely. too in Sherwood too because it's um so that you know very distinct kind of pastel pink has become a, like very much part of our brand identity um, and then transferring it over to somewhere like Sherwood it's kind of just a nice base to build off so you know the inside of the venue is is pink but then there's a lot of like natural wood big windows lots of greenery um, so it's just yeah taking it as a base and then building it out so, you know, it's very much attached to Lost Palms Miami, but it's its own separate identity too. On that, do you do much in the way of like different beers for that specific site or like obviously you don't have a brewery there or does everyone like the, the customers there like pretty much the same thing as they like in Miami and like how does that all kind of stuff all work? And, um, and like do you have a kitchen there? Yeah, so we our kitchen in Sherwood is actually quite a lot bigger than our kitchen here in Miami um so yeah it's it's kind of situated behind the bar and it, it's beautiful there um but in regards to the beers there's uh, I believe there's eight taps so it's, it's not a huge bank of taps there so um and what we kind of do is we will release beers here and then have them pouring there at the same time so we haven't done anything that's specifically for Lost Palms 4075 um but we just also work really hard to make sure that we're rotating the tap so customers over there are not missing out on the latest release. Um, so they're getting it at exactly the same time, which takes a bit of maneuvering. But um, yeah, having a, a dual release at two separate places is, is beneficial for everyone, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I really, what I really appreciate about breweries just in general is that people always talk about like um Australian suburbia and there's nothing there except like maybe a big box pub and yeah either have to go to that tacky pub or you have to go into to, into like the CBD to get a good experience when you have a brew pub that's that's a given like that you're gonna get that kind of experience and they just seem to fit really nicely into neighborhoods um that might not have a lot there I mean this seems to be exactly what's happened with Sherwood yeah and it's um I think too because um I believe Jared grew up in and around Brisbane um and because there wasn't anything there it was just a really good opportunity to you know kind of see if something like Sherwood would work and it has and it's gotten um you know kind of like a, a cult following um to the point where we can do 
kind of uh, drag bingo once a month and, you know, all these different sorts of events and um, the venue manager, Jean, is is quite open to doing, you know, exciting things to get people in and um, he just has such a great rapport with uh, the customers. Like, they'll walk in, sometimes I'll just work from over there, they'll walk in and then he's just grabbed them a beer and taken it straight to the table. Like, it's... um. Yeah, I think when you when you found your spot and you found your people, um, the rest comes quite easily. And I guess that really helps in a neighbourhood because you almost have a captive audience of local people. And I don't imagine that Sherwood quite attracts as many tourists as perhaps Miami does. Um, so, what are your demographics like uh, in the two places? Um, so yeah, Sherwood is quite. Um, I think it's a little bit of an older demographic, um, maybe a quite corporate in some areas um, and then very family orientated so um, I think Sherwood because you know it is it's quite open we have a rotating tap list we also have you know kind of food available for kids it's dog friendly it's open from Thursday to Sunday Um, you know it is it's available for people to come in and kind of get what they need to out of it so we yeah don't get a lot of tourists from what I from what I think um (laughs) for what I've heard but um yeah Miami is is quite different we do get a few tourists but we also have like a very strong um loyal following of kind of locals that that come in you know every week that we've got $12 burgers on a Friday and then the same people are here um you know for that each week Um, but then, yeah, we also have people that, you know, kind of have seen us on social media and they're like, oh, I'm going to be in the Gold Coast. I'll go and check these guys out. Or, um, they'll be part of kind of like a brewery tour because, you know, there's some quite amazing breweries close to us. So you can kind of do, do a bit of a brewery hop. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, it's very colorful Miami. I don't think you know who you're going to run into one day to the next. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely and I think that's the beauty absolutely I think that's the beauty of like places like the Gold Coast the Sunshine Coast um they're not like an an urban center in the same way that like Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne is but they still have this beautiful spread of breweries throughout which means that you can have that community regardless of the fact it's not like a a CBD type of place and do you find that it's quite nice you work together do you speak to the other Gold Coast breweries a lot or is it very much like a, oh we'll see you on the brewery tour or whatever um how does it all work with those guys no it's it's I think it's quite a, a nice community everyone goes to each different brewery for different things like on my days off you know I might head down to Black Ops or um yeah so I think it's Although we're not actively working together on anything, um, it is, you know, I think everyone's working hard to to make the Gold Coast a hub for people to come and drink good beer. So, um, you know, we've had events like Crafted Festival, which, you know, has got all these amazing Gold Coast breweries as well as a lot of other breweries. So people kind of know that they can come here and get a good beer. Um but it's just, yeah, working to help each other, yeah, in different ways. Like if people come here and they're like, oh, yeah, we're here for the weekend. Like, oh, amazing. Yeah, you know, just down the road there, you know, you've got the AWOL tap room and, you know, this and that. So it's, yeah, it's also building out that, you know, there is a lot more to do here. So, you know, you might be here only for today, but you might bring the family here, you know, next month. So it's, um yeah, taking the advantage to, to show people what the Gold Coast is as a whole rather than just like, oh, we're the only brewery, you can only come here. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting as well because Gold Coast is obviously known for being a bit of a party party place. Um, breweries can sometimes fit into that. And then at other times, as we've talked about with places like Sherwood, very much considered like a neighbourhood, maybe like a family-orientated type place, not necessarily somewhere that where you'd go to like have a real rager and like stay stay there till 6am or anything like that but how do breweries fit into that gold coast image it starts with kind of the beers that they're putting out or putting the brewery behind um because i think that's a that's a big one is on the gold coast you stand out 
cool range beer is not going to be a hefty imperial stout that sits at 11%. Like we've got the the Tally Days, which we kind of created around Talabudgera Creek, which is kind of our local. It's like 3.95 Ks from where we are. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's one of our standout beers. And, you know, I know Black Hops kind of build a lot of their beers around, you know, what's around the area or, you know, what people are going to want to drink while they're here. And then also, you know, if they buy takeaways or they get um, an online order, what beers we're creating that someone in, say, you know, Victoria will crack it and go, oh, my God, that's the Gold Coast in a can. <laughs> we like that. The Gold I think that's, Coast yeah, probably, <laughs> probably the biggest ways that breweries can kind of get behind that. Because um, it's hard to to kind of get into that raging scene when um, you only have a license till like ten o'clock. <laughs> we can rage till nine. <laughs> and would we really guys, want to? As and then well. we've got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get in hard, get in fast, and then we've got to leave. <laughs> yeah, that's not usually our vibe, is it, in the brewing industry? <laughs> Don't want to go hard on one of those imperial stouts. No. Well, that's interesting as well. Um, we're obviously talking about potential customers in other places um and we said uh, earlier on that lost palms uh was potentially a bit smaller didn't go in for the distribution type of thing so what's your strategy at the minute for sort of wholesale and retail at bottle shops and and other venues on the gold coast yeah so we've uh recently just in the last couple of months um opened up distribution to sydney and melbourne um which has been amazing it's um yeah given us a, a a platform to kind of um, expose who we are and what we do to um, a wider audience and then getting into places like uh, Carwin Sellers has just been it's like a bucket list uh, kind of <laughs> tick off so yeah it's been it's it's been really good and you know we've taken a bit of a different direction in our limited releases so you know it might be people's second introduction to Lost Palms but then they're like oh but this is new Lost Palms um, so yeah, that's been really exciting and, um, yeah, local bottle shops around here, we've got, you know, some very fantastic kind of core range customers who buy from us every week or, you know, all these different limiteds that come out, um, which just, yeah, it just says a lot for, for kind of the relationships that we're trying to build with people. But, um, yeah, there's always room to improve in those sorts of things, like, at the moment, we've only got one sales rep, um, and he's doing uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. So um, oh it's also working oh within our means, but he's doing he's doing so well. It's yeah, the relationships that you know are being built because it's more of a um, like a personal one on one, like someone wants to get some information at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. You, you don't have that person that's like, oh, no, I'll just wait and I'll call them on Monday. Like, Bretto's straight on the phone. And then, you know, they're ordering that day. It's it's building up that personal connection with people, I think, which is, yeah, really helps helps mm-hmm. our brand and kind of, you know, shows people who we are as a business. Are you going specifically for, like, independent bottle shops or venues on the Gold Coast or or everybody, everything, everyone's fair game? Yeah, I think everyone's fair game. Um, there's a lot of our um, kind of limited release things that are, are more steered towards the independence. Um, and, yeah, I think in, in, in one sense, you know, we do want to strive to get that independent market um, because, you know, we're independent ourselves and, you know, to have people putting your product on, Um, even taking a risk if they don't know you like coming from that independent market I think it's just you know it it means a lot and there's a lot of trust um, that you know we're going to do what we can to push our product so people will go into those independent bottle shops and say oh actually have do you have this you know uh, salted pretzel doppelbock that I saw online and you know that we're sending people into the local independents so yeah, I think, you know, we're open to everybody, um, but, yeah, we really do want to kind of get that independent market and um, kind of work together because it's, it's mutual 
uh, it's a mutual benefit, I think. And I think like in the wider industry, independence has been such a big topic. We've obviously got the IBA and their indie seal. Um, what do you think about that as like a smaller brewery? Is is independence important to your customers as well? I think so. For me, I think as a smaller brewery, um, it's connecting with our customers on a different level. So, you know, when something as horrible as the pandemic hits, I think it, it really gave people the opportunity to to kind of see where their money is going um, and, you know, how it's going to benefit people. So you've got, you know, all the big guys who, you know, are do- some, some of them are doing a lot for the industry and, you know, the community and things like that. But then you've got all of the, the small independents who that money is directly going to put their kids in school or keep the lights on or make sure that they don't lose any staff members. So, yeah, I think the pandemic really shone a light on um, people kind of just taking a step back and, yeah, kind of choosing where to spend their money, um, even if it was just for the, the short time of being on lockdown or something, um, or at least just having the conversation about, you know, independence and, and what it means. Um, yeah, I think it's in, important to, to have that conversation. Absolutely. And I mean, we mentioned COVID as well, and I haven't asked and I should always ask, um, how did everything go for the um, brewery and the tap room during COVID? Because obviously it, Sherwood was set up like two years ago now. I think it was like mid pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, and I was like, it slap bang in the middle of the pandemic. And then I, obviously you guys wouldn't have known <laughs> that it was set to go on for another year and a half effectively. Um, so how would, did the pandemic impact, uh, lost palms? Yeah, well, we were, um, we were hit hard just like, you know, the rest of the, the kind of hospitality industry, unfortunately. Um, so Sherwood was opened uh, the first part of the lockdowns. So um, at that stage, we were able to sell uh, takeaways and food. So that did a lot to kind of keep keep the doors open um, and keep the staff um, in a job there, which was really good. Um, Miami was, you know, able to do the same. So, it, yeah, I think we did what we could in that time. Um, the big focus was definitely on, you know, wholesale and online distribution or sales and just you know making sure that people knew that you know they could get lost palms delivered directly to their home there wasn't really much more that you could do during a pandemic um but yeah I was talking to Jared about it because I actually started you know I was still in lockdown in New South Wales so I started my role remotely and, you know, just having that trust to work from home for four months before I could make the move up, even though I hadn't met anybody face to face, was just yeah. remarkable. Absolutely. It, totally yeah, it was a lot of trust. Well. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jared um, just was telling me too that, you know, everything that they were doing to put in place meant that no one had to be stood down, which was, you know, just so amazing to have the opportunity and um be in the position to to not have to let go any, any of any staff which is amazing because you know it's it was really tough out there for a lot of people and, and some businesses didn't survive which is pretty horrible you moved to online as well how did that all go was it easy to set up or had you already set that up and like how did you find that sort of probably a major move for a brew pub that is used to meeting their customers face to face and might not have really had the intention to do online sales or um, packaging or distribution like they would have had to because of COVID. Yeah, it was um, set up in part when I I first started. Um, So they did have, you know, they were able to to sell online, but um, it's kind of also... Um, like they didn't really have anyone in my role specifically. It was just someone doing uh, social stuff when they could and someone doing online stuff. So I think having someone to go, okay, so now we need to start running ads so people can see what we've got to offer and, you know, Google ads and um, EDMs and things. So it's just 
the bones were there, but it was just something to, to build on. So, you know, taking it to a new platform. Um, and then we've got flat rate shipping now. So anywhere in Australia we'll, we'll ship um, for $5. So, you know, it, it is a bit of a hit on the business, but it's also, you know, a good way for us to connect to people that are like, oh, you know, I don't really know who this business is. I want to give them a try, but I'm not about to spend $25 to get a case shipped to me, but I might spend $5. Yeah. So when I was there last, which is only a few weeks ago now, um, the place was absolutely chocker full of tanks. Um, did Have you ever had to expand in terms of your tanks or like how has all that gone? We had the, um, the brewery closed for a couple of months, late 2021, early 2022. We just um, had a brewery upgrade actually. So the, um, the brew house was, uh, the old one was very manual. Like um, the boys had to, <laughs> in there, moving malt around with like a paddle. And it was, yeah, just, it was not ideal for, for kind of where we wanted to take the business. So, yeah, we just had a full upgrade, um, had a couple more tanks in there. Um, we've recently got some extra um, cold storage. So we've got two separate cool, yeah, off-site cool rooms for, for cold storage, which is, is pretty good. Um, and, yeah, just a really good start in kind of building up. Like the boys now, they can, they can smash out, you know, so much more in terms of getting limited releases out and keeping those core range stocks up. So it's been, yeah, just a, a real breath of fresh air having the new brew, brew kit in. Um, but yeah, so I think there, you know, there's always room to grow. Um, and then hopefully we get to a stage where, you know, I think for Lost Palms in terms of growth, if we keep going, the way that we're going um, is probably having maybe an, an off-site production brewery um, just to ah, support okay. the growth of the business. Yeah. <laughs> There's not too much more too much more room there, from what I can see, <laughs> to stuff some more tanks in or anything. Um, so I was like, "What are they going to do? How are There's they going to expand there?" Definitely not. We've literally hit the <laughs> roof. <laughs> and I mean with Sherwood obviously you don't have a brewery there so you'd have to completely like I don't know if there's even any room to fit one but you'd also have to like retroactively apply to have a brewery in there which I imagine would be a nightmare uh yeah I don't think um even the location um wouldn't be beneficial to have a brewery there I don't think it would just I think it'd be too much so I think yeah Sherwood would always just be a remote tap room um, and then Miami would be a brew pub slash brewery. And then, yeah, I'd say the next step, if I was to take a guess, would probably be, yeah, a production brewery. Do you think you'd go close to home there in Miami if you could find a, a spot? Or would you go somewhere else entirely? Um, I think it would still have to be here. It'd have to be in between, I think, um, because our cold storage, uh, we've got one over this side and then we've got one over that side. Um, and then one on that side's quite substantially bigger. So, yeah, I'd say it'd probably be in between, in between somewhere. But I think that'd be a little ways off. We need to kind of crack this glass ceiling first, which we're very close to doing. Oh yeah, I like to think so. Anyway, absolutely. Um, and I think that's what, this is such an interesting conversation to have because I know breweries across the country are having similar conversations. Like, where do we go? What do we do when we hit like capacity at our current site? Do we stay as we are? Do we get another brewery? Do we team up with someone? Do we, what What do you do? There are so many routes to expanding, depending on your model and depending on your strategy and what you want to focus on in the future, whether that's um, a venue model or whether that's um, packaged or like whatever you want to focus on. Um, so I guess what, what would Lost Palms want to focus on more? Is it, are you guys more of a packaged place? Uh, is that where you want to be? Or and like going into all these venues or are you happy with your own venues and just like um, supplying them? I think initially it would be um, supporting our own venues, um, of course, because I think that's where, you know, a lot of breweries make, well, there's, you know, they make a bit more money because you're selling your K 
kegged beer per, you know, schooner, pint. Um, so you're all always going to make a bit more money doing things that way. Um, but I think for us is really we're exploring the limited release side of, of the, the industry, which is, you know, focusing on all of these, you know, weird, wonderful beers um, and kind of sending them out into the world. So I think for us that would be probably our main focus is just getting production up and running to a point where, you know, we're distributing Australia-wide. Um, not just, you know, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. It's getting our product out to everybody. Um, and, yeah, opening up to kind of new collaborations. We've got a few collaborations happening this year that we're, you know, very, very excited about. So it's kind of opening oh, go up. Go on. The... Can you, what can you tell us, Amanda? Who are you collabing with? Well, we did the BrewDog collab um, oh, on yep. Lost Dog Named Mango, which was, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that one was, yeah, we sold out of that one already. That was yeah, pretty popular. Um, and then we just had Nick from one drop here on Wednesday. So we brewed something, um, a little bit special there. Um, very nice. Oh, and how was it working with BrewDog? Oh, BrewDog was really good. Um, yeah, Tim and Mick, uh, Mitch go way back. So it was just like a couple of friends hanging out and brewing a beer um but because yeah I took over design for the label and they were just so easy to work with it was just like hey guys we're just thinking you know we might go down this track and then they're like yeah amazing 100 <laughs> percent don't you dislike it when they say yeah every, every idea you have is amazing yeah I'm like we can change anything um, <laughs> so yeah I've got That's the <laughs> the one drop label ready to go so Fantastic. I'll probably get that signed off sometime this week so yeah personally like as a as a graphic designer um you know one drop is one of my favorite breweries in Australia so to get to work with people like that um and you know kind of share my art with them oh amazing <laughs> that's just me and then on the brewery side of things it's even more exciting absolutely uh, and on the design side of things so we have occasionally teamed up with Kodo Design over in the US because they do I don't know if you've ever seen it it's basically like the beer design bible over there they look at all these trends going forward where they see uh, design elements coming in is it going to be minimalist is it going to be this is it going to be that are we going to do everything in slimline cans from now on what are Amanda's uh, design predictions for the next like year or two where, where are we all going to go well, I think it's it's hard with the brewery side of things um, because, you know, you could pull something completely left field out and then if you're a small brewery, people are like, oh, I don't know about that. But then if you're a very big popular brewery, people will be like, oh, that's sick. Um, but I can, yeah, I can show you like like our direction where we're, um, we're dabbling in a bit of uh, digital collage. Um, okay. So the the last few cans that we've had come out um, have been yeah just kind of like building images on top of images and kind of creating almost a three D effect and then adding metallic in. Um, so that's been kind of quite exciting just to to kind of invoke you know emotions or feelings just from using pictures rather than you know patterns or words yeah yeah um i think typography is a big one typography gets overlooked quite a lot um okay because i think people just think oh you know it's just words but you can you can do so much with typography so i don't think it's going anywhere um in regards to style Excellent. All right. Okay. Loving all this, Amanda. And are there any uh, styles or particular can designs or anything uh, in the market at the minute that you just love? Um, I do. I'm going to go back to One Drop because I just love kind of what they're putting out um, in regards to, I don't know if you've seen those kind of hand-drawn monsters. Yeah. Um, It was very much Gab's last year. Um, yeah, Freshy Brewing have got a really kind of clean approach to can design. It's very, um, the, I can't remember the stock, what it's called, but the, the label stock is like quite grainy to touch. Yeah. Um, 
it's very kind of like te- yeah textured it's it's really nice to touch yeah i think what is really important about design when you're designing beer cans or brands in the brewing industry is that it sort of puts you ahead of lots of other like of the major ones they can absolutely th- absolutely throw money at it but i don't necessarily know that they always have that creative license to do what they want to do and experiment and do all that um sort of necessary groundwork before they come up with something really special um and i know like craft brewers sometimes really like to push the boat out and like you say put those metallics in and those textural ones and like really get creative with how they present their beer because it is a premium product and if you have a premium product you want it to look amazing and even feel amazing if it possibly can I think yeah that's 100% true we kind of have a bit more room to move and um you know artistic license um I was talking to Jess and Dennis uh last time I was in Sydney a few months back um and they're at White Bay and so they had a designer come in and do a can design and I, th- I can't remember what the beer was called but it was um you know sand dunes and then two people standing on the sand dune and then Jess has turned around she's like we took this exact picture they must have been on a holiday like years ago and they he like the designer didn't know about it they hadn't shared it with him but you know they just kind of created the story of you know, he's taken, because when you're designing a label, it's like, you know, this is kind of the vibe we want. This is the feelings we want to invoke. And so, yeah, the designer's taken that, created this artwork, which is actually a, almost spitting image of a picture of an adventure that Jess and um, Dennis went on, which kind of just all kind of folded into this story around this beer and this beer design, which I think is, yeah, just so important as well for kind of craft uh, breweries is you know we have a chance to tell a story and um, you know more often than not we have a connection to these beers in some way like you know your grandmother brew um, not brew <laughs> she might have brewed <laughs> you never but, know, you know <laughs> yeah. she used this fruit um, or or you know you went to this place when you were 18 and had this sort of beer so I think that's something that kind of sets craft breweries aside is just you know we're able to connect with um you know our customers on a different level and and build out a story behind you know why we've done this beer and why we've done it this way and why it's important to us which i think is is important too in building that connection and with a brand like as strong as lost palms i think in some ways i imagine it must be easy and then in other ways hard because it is such a uh prominent brand with like a like a very um set color palette and like how do you find it when you might want to go a little bit off piste um to be able to include those elements that make it a lost palms beer um but also something different if you see what i mean yeah well i think we're starting to to go down that route um at the moment and it really kicked off with when we did a collaboration with um dead man's fingers we released so they were um imperial stouts one had uh, additions of uh, rum and coconut and coffee, and then one was on its own. So we created two cans. They were very similar. Um, the backgrounds were kind of, one was beautiful, sunny and bright, and one was like dark and stormy. Um, and then they both had images of um, skeletons. So one was a skeleton with this woman who was dancing and that one was called dream sellers and then the other one was uh the skeleton pushing a man off a ladder and that was called dream killers so um we really leaned into kind of the collage um effect because i think with limited releases too you can because they're just a flash in the pan like you want them out in the world for um a minimal amount of time people get them you're on to the next one so it's really kind of finding that balance of staying true to who you are and what your brand is, but then also, you know, feeling comfortable enough to kind of expand creatively and, you know, try and find another way to connect with people, which, you know, we've found is, um, you know, using these different illustrations and and effects um, 
but I will tell you a little secret. We've, um, <laughs> so we're in the car when Sella's can vent. Ah, oh, lovely. Um, and so I can't tell you too much about it, but um, <laughs> we have bought an element to our label that um, you will need a black light for. Oh, that's so cool. So just a little added um, build out, a uh, little embellishment. And yeah, it's just we wanted to to take this opportunity, which is amazing. And we, I, yeah, it's so surreal for all of us. And we're like, okay, we have to put, we have to throw everything we've got at this. So um, yeah, we'll be releasing some little teasers in the next say a couple of weeks we can't give too much away but yeah we we have experimented um with uh the label design so yeah there are elements in there that that will uh come out under a black light which is very exciting or a uv very light cool. i don't know what they call yeah. them oh that's amazing um and i mean this must be sort of almost a dream job for job for a designer like how have you found it as from your perspective as a designer to be able to do these kind of things Oh, I, I've never been kind of more proud of my work than I am now. Um, even though I've had a, you know, I got my graphic design degree. Uh, I was working on it when I first started working at Thirsty Crow. Um, but kind of having the opportunity to take all of this knowledge that, you know, I spent years working on, um, add it to kind of all the beer knowledge and opportunities I've gotten through there and then mash them together. It's a dream come true and, you know, just to to work with the people that you get to work with, like, you know, One Drop, Brew Dog, Carwin Sellers, like you kind of you the way that your brand is working and evolving, um, has given you the opportunity to work with people like this. And it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing for me personally. And then also, you know, as a team, it's just we're all very excited to, to be where we are and, and the opportunities that we've had and that are in front of us. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much. Um, I've talked your ear off for nearly an hour now. <laughs> Can't believe it's so fast. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much again for coming on the Beer is a Conversation podcast. Thank you so much for uh, having me and um, yeah, look forward to chatting to you soon.